De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today, we're going to be talking about the disappearing traditional sales process. Joining us is Chad Pulaski, who is the VP of Strategic Opportunity at Griffin AI, which provides the only end-to-end sales acceleration platform with a carrier-grade network infused with business intelligence and AI. The Griffin One platform enables companies to onboard reps faster, improve top-of-funnel activity, accelerate deals through the funnel, streamline customer onboarding, and mitigate compliance risk all in one solution. So far this week, Chad and I talked about why the traditional sales cycle is over. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about ways that sales reps can reinstate trust. Okay, here's my conversation with Chad Pulaski, the VP of Strategic Opportunity and Eagles fan at Griffin AI. Chad, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. Well, it's good to have you back again. Fly, Eagles, fly. Sorry for fans of other teams. It is an exciting season coming up for us, folks. But we're going to go back to trust. We talked about this a bit yesterday, and we talked about how the, you know, at the end of the day, the buyer controls the seller's journey. And we landed on the idea that at some level, we've lost trust with our buyers. And so what I wanted to dig into a bit is just this idea of the concept of trust, right? So what does it mean to earn the trust of your buyers? And it feels like to some degree, we're experiencing all the lost trust of all the other sales folks who maybe didn't do as well as we would hope they would do. So we're starting sort of from that not great place. What do you think the current state of trust is with your typical buyer for those sales organizations? Is it low, high, medium? Are we crushing it? How are we doing? Yeah, you know, for me, I think majority of buyers come in a little hesitant to trust individuals. I, I think, you know, just like in any relationship that you have, whether you're building a relationship with an individual that you just met that doesn't have to be work-related or your spouse or future spouse, or even in, you know, in the buying centric cycle, you have to earn that ability to trust and they want to listen to you and they want you to hear them. And I think that's the most important piece is that they're always going to come, you know, just second guessing, like, is this person really have my best interests in play? Are they just trying to retire quota? Are they just trying to do certain aspects of it? And I think it's, it's an uphill battle to begin, but I think if you do the right things in the beginning and you continually to do those through a cycle, you'll earn their trust. And your trust doesn't always mean that they're going to buy today. It might be future you know, purchases with you or future recommendations to you. And I think that's ultimately the most important thing that you're looking for. So then how are individual sales folks currently breaking trust or sending signals that they're not building trust in a sales cycle? You know, it's the ones that I would say that that aren't truly listening to what a customer is, is trying to accomplish. 
right? Like I always go back to a, a fantastic quote. And if I knew who it was from, I would quote it all the time, but I just say it's mine. You know, you listen to understand, you don't listen to respond. And that's a really important aspect because if you're not listening to actually what the customer is trying to accomplish and really understanding what their pain is, what the problem that that pain is causing, you're just going to try to tell them, okay, my product does X. This is what X is going to do for you. This is the ROI you're going to get, but it might have no impact on anything they're trying to accomplish, but you're not listening to them to really comprehend that. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that, that we got to change. For me, it's, it's really as an organization, as a sales rep, it's on the onus on us to really dig into it and ask the right questions and ask open-ended questions about different items. You know, you can't just ask somebody and say, oh, okay, you have a problem with producing more funnel. Great. And then move on. You need to ask the why and you need to understand the why behind it and be in that area or that mindset of asking big, beautiful questions uh, like the book that's out there. Right. So I'm pretty sure you quoted Dick Vermeil, by the way. I'm pretty darn sure all good things come from Dick Vermeil's brain. But the other thing I'd say is what you're really kind of the, the through line to what you're talking about is, is that salesperson or are those salespeople going to be consultative, right? In other words, and this is what you're pointing to as a heuristic, right? Are they listening, right? Or are they positioning? And I think that one of the great tools that's out there that a lot of sales organizations have used is conversational intelligence software, because the metadata from it's fantastic. And you know, there's all sorts of good things about being able to listen in creepy on your salespeople and what they're doing. But exactly to your point, Chad, I think that fairly quickly, you can get an idea of what the ratio of pitch to questions are. And I will tell you, I'm not going to quote it. The number that's standing up to me was four to one, meaning sales leaders generally look for those first several calls to be about four questions to every one answer they give, right? That's just great practice. And that's great practice because salespeople need to be pulling that information forward. But I think that gets back to your point, which is, are you listening, right? Do you have empathy for the buyer? Okay, good. Starting there. So we need to create an army of sales folks that are empathetic and great listeners. What else can we be doing to make sure we're building trust in your typical sales cycle? Yeah, for me, the thing that you have to do is, is when you're going through a sales cycle, we deliver a lot of information. So that discovery call, like you said, it's, it's a four to one ratio, four questions to one response when you're going through, and then you start to move along. But I think when you're really trying to get into, into the, the middle of the sales cycle, where you're trying to provide knowledge and, and predict whether this is an opportunity for us to work together, that's where you have to start to provide more details. And that's where the demos come up. And that's where your product knowledge comes up. And I think the one thing that a lot of people lack is we're so scripted. And it, it's a beautiful thing when you're trying to train somebody, get them the product knowledge, get them to understand the script, get them to know, you know how to clearly emphasize on the product differentiators, why it works, why things are out there. But I think that the area that we lack is then once you have that knowledge, how do you make it meaningful to your buyer so that you're tying in all of those questions you ask and the, the rapport that you build to make it worthwhile to them to prove to them that you do care? Because, you know, I can always say some of the greatest and, and most important sales of my entire career came from organizations that I walked away from initially because the product and the information and, and the idea that I was selling them to begin with wasn't going to work for what they were doing. And you're not going to get to that by just force feeding them information. It's, hey, I think this is an idea. 
This is what I think it could accomplish, but here's why. And that why piece at the end is really, really important because you're emphasizing what you heard from them. You're stating what you believe that means. And then you're going one step further and saying, this is what I think your future looks like. So I think that's really, really important. And we don't do a lot of that. Okay. So let's talk a bit about recruiting. Let's talk a bit, a little bit about management. We touched on this yesterday. So certainly, you know, there's this idea of being able to train folks to be more empathetic and to be listeners. Frankly, they they just be very skilled project managers. Sales cycles are the most obnoxious project management tasks ever put on anybody. What about thinking through recruiting and really how you build a sales organization? Or do you feel like, you know what, it's, it's trainable, we can teach folks this? Yeah, you know, for me, I always look at it and I say, don't get head faked. So going back to a football term, because we're thinking about the Eagles, right? Head faked is one of the areas that you don't want to want to ever have happen to you. And I think a lot of people get head faked in the sense that they just look for the same type of people they've always looked for. Okay, I need somebody in the SaaS world. I need somebody that's sold to an enterprise. I need somebody that has this when they're not looking at those other values that aren't on paper. So like you said, do they have good empathy? Do they have a, a, a drive that makes them pick up the phone and want to crush quota? Do they have that personal, personal ability to relate to people? Those are the types of items that should be on the forefront. And there's a lot of tools out there that can really help you go through that. Because I think so many times when we're recruiting, we say, oh, you made a president's club or you made a chairman's club or you're executive of the year. You must be doing something right. And then we're not really asking questions about those things. But that's where I think the differentiator needs to be because you can teach product knowledge. You can teach industry knowledge. You can teach a sales motion. You can't teach those intangibles that somebody either has or does not have. And I think that's where you need to change that thought process about it and really understand the person rather than just, okay, you know how to talk to software. So it feels like in aggregate, sales folks are not suffering from the sins of others. That's what we started with. Why started talking about whether or not that's something that's a hangover for folks. And it sounds like, no, it feels like buyers are still open. They're still engaged, but they're cynical. So successful sales folks, if they're doing their job, they are empathetic, they are inquisitive, and they are building trust through that inquisition, which sounds like a Spanish thing, guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to to bring in the inquisition, but they're basically asking the right questions as they go. I guess final question for you, Chad, if a salesperson breaks trust in the sales cycle, is it recoverable or is that over? I think it is recoverable, but it it really goes about how, how they hit that head on. So if you try to hide away from it and you try to say, oh, no, that's not what I meant or not, that's not what I did. I think that's that's the difficulty. And I talk about this in, in some of the other interviews that I've been on. You know, for me, it, it's about, you know, understanding what they heard, maybe not understanding how they felt. And that's where you want to get to. Right. You want to get what did I do that made me break that trust with you? And then let's hit that head on because maybe that wasn't what I was trying to accomplish. Maybe it's just the way that I delivered the information. The other thing too, is I always say this to people, don't try to get one over on somebody. If you never try to do anything and you are just open and honest from every conversation you have, you never have to worry about how you come off or breaking that trust. The only thing you ever have to worry about is 
Do they see a product or do they see an individual that they want, that they can do business with, not will they do business with? And I think that's a really important trait because like I said earlier, you can walk away from a deal, but still have that trust intact. And then when something comes up, they could say, oh, hey, I know Chad from Griffin. He definitely can accomplish that for him. You should go talk to them. Or when they go to their next company, they'll do the same thing. And I think that's the portion where, you know, you can come back from that, but what did you do in order to get there? And what are you doing from that point forward? Because you don't want to be a bull. You don't want to say, oh, you're completely wrong, but you want to step into it, understand it, ask questions, discover what happened, and then, you know, try to fix it if you can. And if you can't offer your services in other, some other way, say, Hey, I'd love to consult about that. If you go with another company, make sure you think about X, Y, and Z as you're talking to them. That's just my opinion. Some people could differ, but for me, I think it's always recoverable if you would at least admit fault and try to understand the why. Okay. Spoken like somebody who has carried a bag for many years, I will tell you as a marketing leader and as a marketer, my hands are in the air. I'm running around screaming, saying, all hope is lost. We've lost the trust of the buyer. And what I'm hearing from you is, hey, it's just another opportunity to build trust. 100%. All right. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Chad Pulaski, VP of Strategic Opportunity at Griffin.ai for joining us. If you would like to contact Chad or learn more about him, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at griffin.ai. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where you have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at revgenpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Sorry, no TikTok. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.